Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, even where there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. You, David? It would most certainly not surprise me if at some point our generation of Americans decided to change our country's motto from in God we trust to the first verse that David read. Because that, that certainly symbolizes our motto, don't judge. Don't judge that you be not judged. This passage seems to be like increasing in familiarity. Seems like it's, it's fast becoming one of the most favorite Bible verses. Even people that don't really know the Bible. Even people that aren't sure much of what Jesus said seem to have this verse, like, right at their ready disposal. And I understand it. I think when, when people that aren't Christians see judgmental, hypocritical Christians, they're, they're understandably put off by that. It's a real turnoff to the message so if, if you hear that, don't judge, and you say, yeah, Christians do that a lot, I, I can definitely appreciate where you might be coming from. And yet I really do believe this is one of those passages that if we get below the surface just a little bit, it's certainly understandable, and it's simple, yet I think it's profound. And I, I think God really does have some big things for us to learn today. I hope you keep your Bibles open there in Matthew 7, in verse 1. I want to make sure that we have a handle on what Jesus is is talking about. Because words really matter, and we need to make sure we understand exactly what Jesus is saying. So in verse 1, he says this, Judge not that you be not judged. But that word judge is a little bit tricky. It's tricky in the New Testament original language. It's also a little—it's got some differences even in the way we use it in English. So we use that word judge in a lot of different contexts. So there's a few that come to mind pretty quickly. So we use this word in reference to all things with the Justice Department. And we say a a judge rendered a judgment. And so we use the word judge in that setting. And everybody kind of understands that's the word you use. But then we also might use it to just making a decision. We have to judge between the two. We're not necessarily even attaching morality to some of those decisions. We're just making a decision. We would use the word in that way. But then there's another way we use it. And that is kind of adding a little bit to that in not just talking about like a legal setting or just making a decision. We're actually talking about judgmentalism. When there is a condemning attitude. When there is 
a spirit that looks down on someone. And we use the same word. Let's just make sure we understand exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about that third category. He's talking about that third category about looking down or having a critical spirit or condemning. And Jesus is talking to a group of followers. So we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. If you're just joining us on Sunday, we've been going through Matthew 5 and 6, and now here we are in Matthew 7. We don't know everybody who was in the crowd that day, but we can certainly imagine that everybody in the crowd that day wasn't just like everybody's either a legalist or a jerk, and Jesus is going to confront them with this verse. You can imagine there's just lots of different people in that crowd with lots of different personalities. And I want us to think, who might be susceptible to struggle with this command that Jesus has given us? Who might this be hard for? I don't necessarily want you to think of particular names of people that really have an issue with this. might defeat the point. But it would be helpful if we had the profile and we had an honest self-reflection to see as I look into the mirror of God's word, am I seeing anything in my own life? So I think people that Jesus could have been talking to, I think that could have, been, could have included the person that just generally has a lack of self-awareness. They just don't even see it. They communicate regularly. They don't even see it, but they communicate regularly. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Or, or perhaps that person you know that for as long as you've known them, they've had that critical spirit. And Jesus is speaking to them saying, don't judge. Do not judge. Or maybe Jesus is speaking to another group or another profile. Maybe that's the profile of the person that's been a Christian for a long time. Maybe an older Christian, maybe not even so much in age, but they just, they've walked with the Lord a long time. They've been in church a long time. And what they, what they do is they happen to look around and they happen to notice like, people don't love Jesus like they used to. People aren't committed like they used to be. I remember back in the, and Jesus says to them, do not judge. Or maybe it's the opposite end. Maybe it's the younger Christian that looks at people that are older in the faith. And she or he feels like, no, I've got an inside track on what God's doing now. I mean, they need to get with the modern times. Or maybe he's talking to a category of people that, that actually they see things well in one particular area. Maybe it's a particular portion of the Bible or a particular aspect of theology or Bible doctrine or a certain way in which to approach culture. Or maybe it's evangelism. Or maybe it's some aspect of social justice. And they see so clearly on this. And they begin to look around and go, not everybody really sees it the way I see it. And Jesus says to that person, don't judge. Maybe it's a person that's doing well in a particular area. They feel like, man, I, I've, I've really done well in my Bible reading or my prayers or in the way I serve, the way I volunteer, actually begin to feel like I'm, I'm doing all right in this. And they look around and others aren't nearly as dedicated as they are. And Jesus says, don't judge. Or, or maybe it's the person that sees someone suffering and the immediate, the trigger of someone suffering is, 
I know why they're going through that. They're giving what they deserve. They're just giving what they deserve. It's plain and simple. Or perhaps it's the person that lives in a very black and white world. Right is right, and wrong is wrong. And there's no patience, and there's no grace. If you're wrong, you're wrong, and God's against everything and everyone that's wrong. And Jesus says, don't judge. Or maybe it's the, maybe it's the opposite side, that it's not the person that is, lives in just everything black and white. It's the person that lives where everything is grayscale. And everything's, nah, I don't know, I don't know that that's, I don't know that you can come down on this, that, or the other. And then when someone does, you go, how dare they? How arrogant. And Jesus says, don't judge. Maybe it's the person that's making real spiritual progress. It's accelerated for some reason. There's just this like spiritual growth spurt. And six months ago, they weren't even close to where they are now, but there they are. And they begin to look around and go, people just aren't like, they're not where I am. I, they, they ought to just be really into this. Or maybe it's just there are those who have always seemed to be a little more committed than most and they can't help but look at maybe it's other, other singles in the church or other couples or other parents or other families, other individuals, and they, they just don't quite measure up. Maybe they would never say it, but they think it. And Jesus is addressing this. Could Jesus be talking to, could Jesus be talking to me this morning? Before we just quickly go, I don't judge anybody. Might he, might he be talking to me? Might he be talking to you? You see, this is one of those passages in which it is very easy and spiritually dangerous to think of the one person that this really applies to. And it's not you. And, and really wish, boy, I hope they're listening. Or, man, I wish they were here to hear this. When we judge, we begin to treat people as if we're superior. We even correct them. I've noticed a few things. You're not quite, like, in line. I'm going to get you in line. You know, like I am. We, we begin to talk about other people to other people <laughs> as if we're superior we regularly make ourselves the, the center reference point, and everybody else is like, the deviation is from us because clearly we're the standard. This is the way it works when our hearts become judgmental, and we look at others, and they don't quite measure up, and we see ourselves as a little bit better, so they don't receive our approval. They receive our critique. And what's happening? What's happening when we do that? And Jesus knows this is so spiritually dangerous for us. That's why he calls this out. What's happening is we presume to know things that we actually don't know. We presume that we know everything about a situation. When that's, that's foolish, isn't it? Because only God knows everything about a situation. But we say, well, I can pretty much tell what this person is really all about. And really, really, Jesus says, don't judge. Or we presume to know why someone's suffering or going through suffering as if we can really know. This God who runs the universe and has for eternity and will for eternity, like we can really know why suffering enters into one individual's life. Oh, I know why. Or we presume to know people's motives. Oh, I know why they did that. Just fertile ground for judging. I know why they did that. Really, often we, we have no idea why. 
we can see actions, but it's hard to discern motives. Or we presume to know someone's status. Yeah, they think they're a Christian, but... And only God knows the heart. Jesus knows. Jesus knows that this can get so ugly because while someone is looking at the faults of someone else, there may be, there may be some deep issues that are being masked in their own lives. This is why this is so ugly. Because I might be, as I look out and find fault with you, I might be having this massive issue of pride in my life that everybody knows. Everybody sees the arrogance. Or I might have this manipulative streak in which I always have to push everybody I want to get my way. I'm going to control this situation and make everybody incredibly unhappy until they just do what I want them to do. All the while, I don't see it. Everybody else does, but I see what someone else is doing. Or perhaps it's the sin of envy that I run them down because I want what they have, and I don't want them to have it. Or, or maybe I gossip. I, I find convenient ways to kind of undermine someone's credibility or someone's character. Or maybe I just flat out slander them. Or maybe I live with anger. Or maybe I live with all kinds of, of verbal abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse all the while. I see very clearly, yeah, that person, you don't measure up. It's no good for anyone if all those things are going on in my life and I'm and I'm just avoiding dealing with it. And I'm masking it by being judgmental toward others. We're not flourishing. Jesus came in the initial part of the Sermon on the Mount was blessings on the person. So he's pronouncing all these blessings, a life that is flourishing. And Jesus would say, when you're judgmental, you're actually not flourishing. This is not the way I designed my followers to live. You're living a diminished life when when you're judging. So through his teaching, Jesus is going to help us. And I want us to look at some of the verses in this chapter. So the first thing Jesus does after he tells us, you know, straight up not to judge, he confronts, Jesus confronts my harshness with others. I would say not only does he confront it, but he moderates it. He softens my harshness with others. And this is what I, this this is what I mean. In verse two, Jesus would say this, don't judge for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So immediately, I'm going to be a lot less harsh of a judge if I know that same, that same judgment is going to be applied to me. It forces me to think, would I, want, would I really want to be judged with the severity and the strictness with which I am regularly judging others? Would I want them to turn the tables on me and go, okay, here's the standard. Zero margin of error and zero grace to you. And, and we're going to assume every bit about the worst uh, of you. And we're going to make the punishment significant. You will pay for what you did. Would we really want all that turned back on us? Would we really want to play by those rules? And I think we would not. We would not. I don't, I don't want to. I want people to be pretty generous with me. Understand, ah, he has a good heart. He meant well. That's, that's the way I want people to treat me. So could this soften our harshness with others? I remember watching a college football game a few years ago, and it was one of those, it was, it was you know, kind of the end of the season, so it was cold and the conditions were not good. And this, I think he was a sophomore or something, he was definitely an underclassman, came in and he was going to kick the field goal. 
and he had the opportunity to win the game, and it was a conference game, and he had the opportunity to win this game if he just made this field goal. But the field goal was like 45, 50 yards, so this wasn't a chip shot. This was, he was going to have to work for it, and the conditions were terrible, and, and he, missed the, he missed it. And college football is life in some parts of the, this country. So you can imagine he just disappointed, not, not just himself, but like all his teammates, all his family, friends, the whole nation of people that would be cheering for him, he just let them all down. And I watch him as he comes back to the bench, and I remember it. He comes back to the bench, and the coach just chews him out, chews him out. I'm just angry, red-faced, and going after him. And, and you know, the, the guy kind of tries to just find his way to the bench, just away from this coach screaming at him. And I'm not a good lip reader, but I could read these. These weren't Sunday school words that he learned, right? He's just screaming at him, screaming at him. And then he goes, and have you ever watched this? The coach, he followed him all the way. So the, the guy's just trying to, the kicker, and he feels horrible. He's trying to walk the sideline, just kind of walk away from it all. And the coach just still screams at him and screams at him and screams at him. And we think, you, you want everything in you, just says, give the kid a break. He's 19 years old. I'd like to see all of us go out and try to kick 45-yard field goals in, the, in those conditions. Do we think we might, might, might miss one? And then I wonder, at times, am I, am I the angry coach? That just is willing to go after someone and keep on them and keep on them, or maybe even just mentally I go, such a loser, such a disappointment. Falls so short regular every single time, and I'm just willing to let that fester and fester and fester. Jesus says it will moderate our harshness with others. Implied on all this, even when Jesus talks about, you know, the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. Implied in that, did you hear it? I hope you heard it. There is judgment coming for all of us. So we're all going to stand before God, who is the righteous judge. What standard do we want to be measured within that day? Even the rest of this chapter talks about it. I think if I take Jesus' words to heart, my, hopefully my tone, my trigger response will be a lot less harsh. My tendency is to be harsh. Jesus turns the table on me and helps me see what I should expect. That's the kind of person I am. But Jesus does something else in these verses. Jesus also redirects. He redirects and prioritizes my sin-addressing and sin-correcting efforts. He redirects those and he prioritizes those. What do I mean by that? Well, if you're reading in Matthew 7, let's listen for redirection and prioritizing. Jesus says, why are you seeing that speck that's in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log or the plank that's in your own eye? You see the speck of dust, like the piece of sawdust, you see that in that person's eye, but you're missing something. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, you show off, you pretender. First take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. The picture is comical and very, very understandable. This is a place where it's not that hard to understand what Jesus is saying. We don't miss this point at all here, or at least we shouldn't. It's almost as if we can hear Jesus telling us, all right, we do need to address sin. Sin does need to be corrected. You're absolutely right. Because sin ruins everything. It messes everything up. So we need to address it. And let's make sure we're addressing the biggest sin 
So here's what the biggest sin on your agenda needs to be. The sin or the issue that God gives you grace to see in your own life. In yourself. If you want to prioritize the big one, the big sin, then God gives you grace to see something in your own life. That's the priority. It's always safe to assume that there are some serious sins. I might classify them as major or minor. I'm really doing okay. Yet God knows my heart. There's always sin that needs to be addressed. And Jesus turns the table on us and we go, wait, 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 wait. That's not comfortable. Because actually, when we're judging someone else, when we're doing what Jesus tells us not to do, when we're doing that, precisely the one thing we don't want to do is have attention or scrutiny turned on us. That's what we don't want to do. That's why we're judging another person. Because we don't want anything to turn on us to be in judgment. And I think we need to drill down here. Because Jesus is saying a very tough word, and partly because we have issues in our human nature, and partly because of the culture we live in, we've, I feel like what we've done with the words of Jesus is actually change them, misread them. So Jesus said very clearly in verse 1, don't judge. But I'm afraid we turn that into, don't ever let yourself be judged. And that's the commandment we really want to hear. You notice the difference? It's subtle, but it's real. Instead of Jesus telling us, don't judge, we say, don't. What what he meant was, we should never have to stand under judgment of any kind. We have the right not to be confronted about anything. And if someone says, like, makes an evaluation of us that we don't care for, in our back pocket is, well, you shouldn't judge. You shouldn't judge we've turned what Jesus said into don't let anyone ever judge you. We're telling him, oh, you're the one sinning. See, you say something about me. You're the one sinning. You're the one judging. And Jesus told you not to do that. You've got the problem, not me. Do you notice how it can so turn in our hearts? I don't know that I, I, I would want to know the percentage of Christians that, that claim to be you know, followers of Christ who think that they're above any and all judgment. But I think more and more we're just breathing in this air of the, of the culture. And more and more we think no one should ever judge me about anything. I'm above judgment, yes, of my fellow humans, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, but I don't even know that God should have, I don't even know that God should have the right to judge me. The thought of a God who could judge is way too terrifying. I don't think God would be like that. And we go to work on a God of our own making, a Jesus who says the things we like him to say. We say, keep saying the things I want you to say. Things like, don't ever let yourself be judged. Why do we do that? I think some of this is the advice that Jesus gave us, okay? Prioritize dealing with yourself. Like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to deal with my own sin. It's easier to judge you, and it's easier just to call a truce on all judging, period, than actually have to look in the mirror and say, what is going on in my own life? It's much easier to buy into the message that says, you know what, I am who I am, and everyone should accept that. And no one should be critical of that. And everyone should approve that. And any decision I make, I should only have cheerleaders. No questions. It's much easier to 
to say, well, what I, what I got to have is I got to have a high self-image. If I don't have a high self-image, I need to get one. I'm going to listen to every kind of song or every kind of philosophy to make sure I have this high self-image because people must approve of me. People must approve of my lifestyle, my choices, my self-identification. But when Jesus says don't judge, he's not giving you and I a license to do whatever we want to do. And say, well, see, Jesus said don't judge, so I can do whatever I want. We think it's really good news if I can kind of skirt out of any sort of judgment. We think that's good news. That I can live my whole life and everybody goes, yes, Curtis, you keep doing that. Because everything you do is just right on target. We think that's good news when actually it turns into bad news pretty quickly because it just doesn't work. It doesn't work because the Lord's given us the conscience and the Holy Spirit and something begins to nag on the inside. And deep down it's this. Deep down it's that we, we all know intuitively we don't get to grade our own essays and give ourselves A pluses every time. It just doesn't work that way. We all know that. We all know that we're not going to get help in this issue. So you start to deal with it, and the Lord starts to work on your heart, and you realize, my goodness, I do have like this plank in my own eye, and it's not okay. And I'm in bondage to it, and this is not okay. Or I, I am very unclean before a holy God because of this. Or I look at the cause I've harmed because I'm this way. And the Lord begins to reveal this. And it's not a fun, fun situation. It's not pleasant. It's not always easy to deal with. When, when God begins to work on our, our, our situation and the peril that we're in. and Yeah, just saying, yeah, don't judge me and move on and pre- pretend that's the final word. We don't get help. We don't get relief there. We don't get relief just because we have a positive estimation of ourselves. We don't get long-term relief that way. So how do we get real help? If it doesn't come because we just approve ourselves, where does it come from? So when Jesus says, turn it in on yourself and look at that, that plank, that log, at that moment is when we realize, oh my goodness, I need help from the outside. And then we begin to understand the work of God through Jesus. Because we feel like all these things in my life, whether I, I think they're a speck of dust or whether I think they're a, a log in my, my own eye, there are things that just put me in spiritual bondage. I'm in bondage to sin and I'm in bondage to myself. And I need someone who can free me of that. What I need is Jesus. Or, or I begin to process, I am, I am impure before a holy God. He's perfectly holy and I'm not. And I need someone to cleanse me. This is the work of Jesus. Or I begin to realize the harm that I've caused, and I realize, my goodness, I, I've so messed this up. What I need at that point is someone to forgive me, and I look to what Jesus has done, and I say, oh, thank God, he has forgiven us. He's forgiven sinners. Or I begin to recognize the, the, the peril I'm in, the danger I'm in, that if I keep walking down this road, and we know this, we know this in our heart, if I keep walking down this road, my life's going to be blown up, and I need someone to, like, pull me off that road to save me, to rescue me. And that's exactly who Jesus is. He's our Savior. Or I know that in my heart I need to transform, not just to clean up a few things of my behavior, but I need to be transformed. And he's the one who transforms us at our core. See, I don't know what's going on in our life, and I don't know, like, whether you just 
the default mechanism is I'm going to judge others or we'll just call a truce and nobody will judge anything. But there is grace when we get to see into our hearts and go, this is not pretty, but this is the kind of thing, this is the exact kind of thing that Christ would die for. This is what was on Christ while he was on the cross. And I can have deliverance because of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. I can have deliverance because I have a good father. I can have deliverance because it's the Spirit's work to transform us, to look more and more like Jesus. So, yeah, Jesus prioritizes sin-addressing and sin-correcting work. He just says, it's got to start in you. When we hear Jesus' words correctly, it isn't like he's just ha- handing out immunity cards. So you don't, nobody judges you, 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 you. Nobody messes with anybody. Nobody messes with anybody. Nobody ever says anything. Nobody admonishes anybody. Nobody warns anybody. Nobody encourages anybody. That's not what Jesus says. But he does kind of rip, rip off the mask of, oh yeah, I, I guess I'm not supposed to judge or I'm not supposed to let you judge me. It's interesting. Jesus is very interested. Did you notice as he was saying it? We, we missed this. He's very interested in getting things out of our eyes that impair our vision. He says, yeah, let's do that work. Because sin will mess up your life. Big, small, it'll mess you up. So let, let's do that work. And, and let's not just think we can do it on our own. We, we need each other. So a healthy, church isn't, a healthy church isn't the place where we can expect to avoid or dodge challenging, tough, honest words. That's not a healthy church. We need the tough, honest, challenging words. We, we need what Galatians 6 talks about. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. That's what we need. That's what we need. We need people that have the spirit of Jesus Christ in them and are obedient to what he says here, and they come with a different set of aims than I'm trying to judge and put you down so I can be lifted up. Or, or I'm trying to... I really want this particular thing. Changes our motives, changes our starting point. Hebrews 3 says we ought to take care because we live in, an, in, a, in a tough world where there is an evil, unbelieving heart that could lead us to fall away from the living God. So exhort each other. So I'm not supposed to just kind of hands off. I'm not going to confront anybody about anything ever again. Jesus says, no, no, we, we need each other for that. There are times where we can't afford to just throw discernment to the wind. You know this, right? Life calls for discernment. Life calls us to make decisions, to, to exercise wisdom, to make judgments. Even in Matthew 7, verse 6, I noticed. So Jesus has said, like, don't give dogs what is holy. Don't put your pearls before pigs because what will happen is they'll turn and trample you. So, don't, so, so that's a critical judgment Jesus is actually calling on us to make. And it's not an easy one to make. There are times where our best efforts at trying to help another person aren't going to be received. And Jesus says sometimes when someone blatantly and consistently rejects the, the treasure of the gospel, what is holy, we begin to evaluate how to respond. Later in this chapter, Jesus is going to say there are wolves and there are sheep. The most loving thing to do is not tolerate the wolves. Jesus is going to say there are, there are true prophets and there are false prophets most loving thing to do is go, oh, we don't have to discern anything. Jesus says there's going to be a way of building your life that's going to build it, and it's going to last, and there's going to be another way of building it, and it will totally blow up. And the issue there is not to say, well, who am I to judge? 
Who am I to say anything positively helpful in this situation? No, that's not the message. Jesus understands we live in a complicated world. So how do we exercise discernment and wisdom? How do we show love? How do we engage in alpha ways that aren't judgmental? How do we not just like take this as a blank check to never be judged and never say a critical word? I just want to give you two reminders. We're going to end with this. Two reminders that if we put into practice, I think it could change the entire nature of how we interact with each other. I think they're both based in this passage. It's going to be super simple. Simple here, not sinful, hopefully. What in the world am I talking about? Simple. First, let's remind ourselves regularly that I am not God. Clearly, when you make mistakes at the end of your sermon, you're not God, right? But in all seriousness, I desperately need your help in my life. You need the help of your brothers and sisters in your life. But when we go into help, we've got to realize I'm not God. I'm not omniscient. I don't have the vantage point of knowing everything there is to know about a situation. And furthermore, my thoughts and my opinions and my judgments aren't that final. And I'm not unchanging, and I surely don't display unchanging love. Everybody I come into contact with, I'm not God. I need to realize that, and that will calibrate some of the words I say and the tone which I say it. The second thing I need to remind myself is that I am a work in progress. I am a work in progress. I need help. I'm the one that's got the logs and the planks or specks of dust. I, I am a work in progress. I need help. I lack self-awareness. I, I don't see everything I need to see spiritually. Uh, my vision can be easily distorted. And so when I get a hold of this and I can enter into your life, you can enter into my life and we can actually help each other realizing I didn't come here as God, acting as God. I'm not, I'm not your judge. And, and believe me, I am a work in progress. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, a, I've not arrived in this area. But can we keep pressing each other to love God more? God will help us. When we remember those things, we're free to serve others and we're free to love in this world. Jesus told us not to judge. Let's hear his words this morning. Can I invite you to bow with me in prayer? Lord, thank you for your warnings. So we've heard over the last several weeks, don't lay up treasure on earth. And we've heard, don't be anxious. And now we hear, don't judge. Help us see where this sin has taken root in our heart and we're, we're doing the very thing you've told us not to do. Help us to be a church family that isn't hypercritical and isn't judgmental, isn't condemning, doesn't look for the smallest excuse to damn someone to hell. I pray that we'd be filled with your grace, filled with your wisdom, that we would judge righteously. Uh, For that to happen, you need to work on us. So we ask for that in Christ's name. Amen.